downturn and you have a government that says, well, the downturn has been caused by all this excess government spending above tax revenues, the debt rate, the government debt ratios getting out of control. Um, so it's no more inflationary uh, giving money to the general public uh, than it is giving it assent by spending to firms. Anybody that models and system dynamics knows the one you shouldn't use if then or else statements. And if you do use them very sparingly because they can create instability. The Ty Kings podcast contains language that may be offensive to your sensibilities. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're going to talk about government spending. Is it good? Is it bad? Or is it just in between? Who knows? Stay tuned. Find out next. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Ty Keens. We're going to talk about government spending today. And it's been an important kind of thing that I've been working on with my um, national economic model, which is very close to being done after one year. Um, fucking incredible that I'm, I've made it. Um, I'm going to be releasing something on my Patreon soon about it, the model file itself, so you can run and play with it. Um, and I guess maybe I'll write a book on it because it's a very large model. Uh, but government spending has been very important in me calibrating this model. And what does government spending really do? And what types of government spending there are? And since this is a macroeconomic model, I'm looking at it from a very aggregated perspective. So one type of government spending is uh, spending to the firms. So in this model, um, it, at its core, it does use a good win growth cycle model at its very, very, you know, nucleus you could say it just to create the business cycle and what does it do well immediately it boosts profits okay so in this model if profits are boosted um that means there's going to be more investment and it, it's a very minskian style right so uh as profits go up uh, firms tend to invest and borrow um even more um so boom times and of course that investment um, maybe malinvestment. It's it eventually goes to just poor investment opportunities that don't offer a very high rate of return. But nonetheless, investment increases um, the capital stock, and the capital stock is factories and machines and whatnot. And of course, the capital stock ex, um, expands output and increases employment. Increased employment increases wages right so wages go up and that's actually a negative for profits and the cycle goes up and down like that and then you have government spending towards um the households and that couldn't be um an aggregate it could be a social security payments or old age security payments um and that goes in and what that generally does is it boosts um consumption um, and of course, boosting consumption increases profits and you're into that whole cycle again. And then you have government spending into government corporations. Canada is very popular. So we have crown corporations. So here in BC, we have uh, ICBC, which is your car insurance. Some provinces, you can get private car insurance. In BC, it's it's provincially run. Um, and then you have uh, federal programs like healthcare up here in Canada. So those are the, the three big types of government spending. 
Um, and I described them in aggregate, not very targeted. And then the question came to me, can the government uh, do really targeted uh, spending? And the conclusion I came to just doing some thought experiments is yes, it can. But can it do it efficiently over a long time horizon? No, it can't. Because in, in democratic countries, we have governments changing all the time. So to have uh, for a specific sector or industry, um, to have like a 10 or 15 or 20 year uh, plan, it's, it's virtually impossible to have the government in there spending um, consistently or reducing spending when less spending is needed. Um, so generally, uh, with a, a macro model, what could I do for government spending is, is, was to do it in, in a very large aggregate manner. So you're either spending on the firms, um, you're spending for households, and that could be security programs, welfare programs, um, a universal basic income we could explore with this model, the job guarantee. Um, and now the job guarantee, it's questionable. I, I don't really get an answer from MMT whether um, the, the, these jobs they have, are they from the private sector funded by the federal government um, and then administered locally? Or are these corporations owned by local um, local um, municipalities or regions, or are they owned by the federal government, state governments? Um, it's a little difficult to explore that. So there could be many variations on a job guarantee. Myself, I would say that it, it would probably be best um, if a job guarantee employed um, private corporations or firms and that were federally funded uh, to maintain a capital stock um, to support uh, unemployed people during downturns. Um, so that's kind of where I've gotten into government spending. What are the effects of government spending? Well, during a downturn, let's say investment into firms, which could be building roads, it could just be buying up product to redistribute to other areas of the economy, um, is good. It, it prevents any, any extreme de deflation. It keeps economic growth up somewhat. And it seems, by my model standards, to smooth out the business cycle for some time. Um, but it's, it, it is important at some point to be able to reduce that government spending and not go into a state of austerity, which I've watched, looked at many different economies while building this uh, model and looked out through history. And one of the political aspects of democracies is relating to government spending is you have a, a government comes in and they're pro-spending. They start spending, 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 and it might be during a downturn and it has some success in the beginning. They don't turn it off in time. Um, and it may not be inflationary right away, but because we have this political rhetoric that says taxes need to fund spending when we we on the, in the heterodox know that's not true. Um, it creates social unrest or a bit of a social division. And of course, in the next government who's more austerity comes in, they just turn government spending off instead of just reducing it. And of course that causes instability in the system. And if you look at the economy, like I do as a complex system, right? Um, if mathematically what's happening is you're using an if then or else statement, basically sharply turning something off. Well, 
Anybody that models in system dynamics knows one, you shouldn't use if then or else statements. And if you do use them very sparingly because they can create instability in the, the system. Um, it's just not a smooth change, right? So uh, mathematically, um, if you think about changing governments, governments that are pro-spending and governments that are austerity driven, it's it's much like a if then or else statement. Basically, it's on and off, on and off. I would advocate mathematically that there should be a function, a smooth function, right? Reduce government spending as employment goes up. The private sector is supporting the economy. People are doing what they want to do in society, and make it, that makes them happy. Uh, but that's not the reality. In in you know democratic countries, it's this on and off. Um, cycle. So government spending is good in the sense that during a downturn, and this is very post-Keynesian or post-Keynesian, um, it's good. It, it lessens the downturn. Um, government spending during a boom can be appropriate. I would say in aggregate, it has to be reduced, but let's say there's a project, a very pro big project going on between San Diego and Los Angeles, right? And both these cities have developing industries, booming industries during a boom time, but a massive freeway and rail needs to be built between these two cities in California. <laughs> um, that's appropriate for the government to step in and spend. It could be billions upon billions of dollars, um, but it's going to uh, enable that productive growth um, in those industries. So there is government spending um, during boom times um, is appropriate too. It just has to, that's when it has to be more targeted. So in, in my thought experiment, I realized that government spending during downturns don't have to be very targeted. You, the government could just start spending willy-nilly, essentially, right? And it's a boost to the economy. During booms, government spending is needed, but it, it has to become more targeted. And the implications become really dire depending on what type of government is in during those different cycles. So during a a downturn and you have a government that says, well, the downturn has been caused by all this excess government spending above tax revenues, the debt rate, the government debt ratios getting out of control. We got to stop spending. Well, obviously we know that can be highly recessionary during an economic downturn. Vice versa, if that austerity driven um, government is in during a, a boom time, the effects may not be as bad. In fact, uh, the private sectors between the hypothetical, you know, industries between L.A. and San Diego might have to develop their own um, transportation systems. And that actually is innovation in itself. So there's an argument uh, towards austerity um, during a boom time. But at the same time, to remain competitive on the world market, one could argue that government spending is important during a boom time for infrastructure projects uh, to make these uh, flourishing industries around a country uh, flourish even more productivity-wise. My opinion on it is government spending is a huge component of GDP. It's 30% of GDP, so we can't ever turn it off. 
this point. Like we're, we're built around, you know, structural government programs. If we were to turn it off, like Austrians want us to turn it off, like a faucet, you know, off, um, we'd probably be in a, a big heap of trouble. Another government is just giving money to the people. And a lot of people say, well, that's highly inflationary, but it's actually no different than giving it to firms or buying uh, from firms. Because what people generally do and middle class to poor people is they take that money and they spend it at firms. And firms, of course, in turn have to boost their output to handle this additional spending, right? They, they want to sell something. So they'll invest into their productive capacities or capital stock and it'll boost income. It's the same thing um, as government spending directly on firms buying output. It's just in a different loop. Um, so it's no more inflationary uh, giving money to the general public uh, than it is giving it sent by spending to firms. I know that's very counterintuitive, but if you look at it from a causal loop diagram, um, it's you realize in aggregate it's exactly the same. And one could argue that people have a better chance of making choices uh, that better you know their own lives if they get the money directly instead of the money going to a firm that then turns around and hires specific people uh, for jobs and you're leaving it up to firms and corporations to make the decisions in the private sector. And then you have uh, basic services that uh, uh, the, the federal government provides. In Canada, we have a pretty wonderful healthcare system. So I can go break my leg, go to the emergency room, and I don't have to worry about paying a $10,000 bill. Um, something the states, I, I'm shocked they don't have, you know, being that world democracy, taking care of its own. They, you, you literally, I was watching this story, this lady, her husband couldn't breathe and he was on death's doorstep essentially. And one of the hospital administrators, I don't know how it works down in the States, who actually goes to the, you know, immediate family and they go to the wife and the, they, they say, well, so far after four days, your ha husband's hospital bill is $8,000. And I have to alert you because you're next to King Kin and uh, the spouse that you are immediately on the hook for this. <laughs> so PA and the, the husband could, it was, couldn't breathe. I, some sort of respiratory problem. Uh, COVID, not related to COVID. So there's that basic services. And I think that's something that the private sector can't really provide all that well. As an example I just gave you, right? It's a, a profit motive. Where up here, we we just simply treat treat people because we know that's the right thing to do. We've set aside a certain amount of resources um, in our economy that's devoted to healthcare, right? So despite what MMT says, taxes do um, pay for um, programs. It's just not, it shouldn't look at it from a monetary perspective. So in order for the government um, to, to have things like we do up here in, uh, in Canada, like healthcare, we have to divert resources in the private sector to the public sector. We do that via taxation. It reduces... Um, the ability for people to consume in the private sector, the resources 
uh, in turn, then that it allows the government to come in and uh, divert those resources into systems like the healthcare. Um, so it's very important to remind people that, to, yeah, your taxes do matter. Um, when you pay something, when you pay a tax, you're giving up your right to purchase a resource in the private sector. Um, the government then has uh, that spare capacity to design programs for the greater good of the economy. So there's that kind of spending. Um, is there a way uh, MMT really pers prescribes this as automatic stabilizers and post-Keynesians do too. Is there a way um, is there a mechanism, an algorithm? Now that we have fucking incredible computers, is there an algorithm wh where we can run it um, and look at growth in the economy um, and maybe even break it down into different sectors, but still very ma macro and have this program decide, okay, automatically and Congress down in the States, Congress would have to approve this up here. Parliament in Canada would have to approve this. But this program would increase spending and decrease spending appropriately, um, automatically. It may be the best social program ever created. Um, yeah. I think it would be less complicated than a job program or job guarantee, although that would be good to have in place. So just the more you have, uh, I, got, I got questioned last from last week's episode because I did something on the UBI and I might have been a little bit critical on the job guarantee. Listen, I, I, like I said, job guarantee, UBI, basic services, let's have them all, let's push for them all. Um, but if you have really strong um, government spending that's appropriate appropriate during the appropriate times, it lessens the need to have big, complicated UBI programs or job guarantee programs, right? So you could have those programs, but in a smaller form that are easier to manage. Um, so I would say the best policy program for the people is just simply spending into the economy and it could be a you know a ubi with proper government spending in fact it could be a fluctuating ubi um so if you're uh, let's say so poor people absolutely poor, poor uh, some sort of tax bracket you're just going to get a ubi it's it's going to be that amount all the time and will grow with inflation let's say and then you would have, uh, once you're into the next tax bracket, the UBI would fluctuate. It wouldn't fluctuate necessarily with um, inflation. It would uh, fluctuate with employment. So we would be tracking the employment rates, employment ratios in the economy. Um, and that would dictate in this algorithm um, how much UBI is being put out for the higher tax brackets and middle tax brackets. And, of course, this algorithm would be controlling um, spending the firms in aggregate, maybe picking out 13 different sectors in the economy. Um, so as a downturn begins, there's generally leading sectors. Government spending would go into those sectors. So, you know, highway sector, whatever, road building, it's a very easy one there, right? Well, 
all the projects basically would be lined up on queue and then as the downturn started the spending would be done by the federal government to firms uh, to create contracts to eventually build these roads um, could be uh, let's say the food industry right or the agricultural sector in total right during a downturn right there maybe plans during the boom to make uh, food growing more sustainable, right? So those plans are stacking up. And as the down, they're fed into this algorithm system. And as the downturn starts, the spending begins, right? And then as the economy comes up, the spending's reduced automatically. So it's taking the political aspect out of it. Now, there can still be politics around adjusting this, this program as we go. But when I model things like this, when I remove the if, then, or else statements, so either on or off, austerity or spending, right? And I start putting in smooth functions that would behave much like an algorithm. Um, the economy, the business cycle really smooths out and you can run, uh, you can run it somewhat into a steady state. Now my model introduces real resources. So, we're headed to a climate disaster and energy crisis in the next couple decades. So no matter what we do, if we continue on this state using fossil fuels, we will all collapse. And there's no amount of government spending or reducing government spending to stop it. We're already we're past those tipping points, you could say. Um, and maybe that's a goal, that a strong goal that government spending... Um, and really strong taxes because we, we've got to slow down consumption in the private sector. We're all addicted to our technology. We're all addicted to fossil fuel, right? So government taxation can reduce that, right? And at the same time, government spending and government taxing too on firms and polluting firms, right? Just reduce those um, firms, right? We can't, can't keep doing what we're doing. If we want to keep 10 billion people, we have to reduce consumption like drastically, 70, 80%, right? We've got to change the way we live, right? If we want to keep 10, like stay at a steady 10 billion people, well, then our carbon footprint has to be reduced drastically. Now, if we want to keep our carbon footprint up, well, then we have to reduce the population drastically. And that's draconian type shit there, like, you know, reducing the population, right? That's uh, all the anti-degrowthers, that's what they go to, right? But a really thoughtful degrowther person is thinking about reducing a carbon footprint um, first and foremost, right? And maybe reducing births, right? So the population just slowly declines. Um, so maybe that's the ultimate form of government spending, right, is it's a, a combination, and maybe this could be fed into an algorithm, taking in, in account that we have dwindling resources. I know some people think we've, you know, look at all these, we can just dig a little bit deeper. We've got all the resources. Well, digging a little bit dig, uh, deeper requires that much more energy, right? It's more energy intensive. And despite, you know, you see 20% of renewables now for our energy, that hasn't reduced the exponential growth of our fossil fuels. So the energy that we use, uh, the green energy, is just going towards more growth. And I will stress this on an almost every, every podcast, right? Even as a ratio between 
um, fossil fuels and green technology, um, as the ratio goes up 30% green, 40% green, uh, fossil is still growing too, and green's growing to for more growth. It's not going to sustainability. This is to grow more, right? So even once we're at, let's say, 50-50, uh, our fossil fuel will still, by that point, gone up exponentially from where it is today because they're both growing, right? The green is not offsetting fossil. It's just growing along with it. Green has allowed even more resource extraction. It's allowed us to consume even more and more and more, right? You could, as green grows, right, we're, we're going to have to extract. We, solar panels aren't being recycled, people, you know. All these green technologies, they have to be rebuilt. They depreciate relatively fast compared to coal-fired power plants. Um, so maybe government spending, there's a way along with taxation, right? Taxation is basically killing demand um, in these carbon-intensive industries, right? Well, the other side of it, government spending um, to build, you know, green energy. Um, so we can actually start seeing the fruits of green energy, like green energy replacing fossil energy. We haven't got there yet. All this, you know, seeing all these wind farms go up and all the solar panels, it hasn't offset fossil fuel. Fossil fuel is still growing and growing at the same exponential rate, right? Now we've just got another source of energy so we can grow even faster, maintain that 3% a year, 2% a year, right? I won't go on forever, right? So that's my rant about government spending. I didn't really have a focus topic other than I want to talk about it because I watch all the the back and forth between Austrians, neoclassicals, post-Keynesians, and MMTers, right? And government spending is a pretty big component, maybe 30% of GDP, so it's an important topic to talk about. Um I, I believe in government spending. I believe during a downturn, it doesn't have to be very targeted and spend away. During the boom or rising out of a downturn, it has to become more targeted. And if it is not being targeted, you open yourself up to, to the political possibility of getting a government in that says, fine, austerity. And austerity just simply isn't good, right? Because there are programs, uh, even during a boom period, that the federal government runs that are important to the happiness. And generally, it's to the happiness of the working class and the poor class. Anyways, I'm Ty Keens. You can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ty Keens. YouTube, if you're watching this, well, you know where I'm at, at Ty Keens. You can find me on my website, tykeens.com. Got my models there. I've got blogs there. Support me on Patreon as low as $2.50 a month. Patreon.com slash Ty Keens. You can even find me on LinkedIn if you prefer that more professional rapport. Anyways, we'll see you next week. This week, we've got David Fields on Stephen Friends live stream. We're going to be talking about international economics. Um, you'll be able to find that on the Prof. Steve Keen YouTube channel. 
if you're listening to this on the audio version, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, um, you're listening to it when it comes out on Friday, live streams the next day on Saturday. If you're watching me, watching my pretty face on YouTube, it means the live stream came out the day before on a Saturday because I released the video versions of this podcast on YouTube on Sundays. And you'll, you'll be able to find that on the Prof. Steve Keen channel. Till next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.